It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Good rainy Wednesday morning. Nice to have you aboard. We'll get you into midday. Brett Norsworthy is going to join us in the next segment. We'll talk a whole bunch of stuff. Hall of Fame class. Maybe a little bit about, uh, there's an interesting story. I guess it was in the commercial appeal. Um, Blake Topmeyer, who's a, a, a guest with Greg and Eli on a regular basis, does an amazing job with the SEC. And John Adams, who's been a longtime writer of, uh, uh, of things, volunteers in Tennessee and the SEC. They wrote a piece about who, because of the retirement of Nick Saban, who are the biggest threats now to Georgia and Kirby Smart? And uh, the results, I think, were interesting because Alabama's not in the top three. And LSU's not in the top three. We'll go over those with Brett Norsworthy as well, talk a little hoops. We've also got a big theme of SEC today because our friend Ron Higgins will be joining us in the final segment today. The NBA, very clearly in my mind, is a player's league. We knew this. But when you see what has happened in the last, what would it be, 18 months, 18, 20 months in Milwaukee, you really understand it. So remember in 2021, Mike Budenholzer was the coach of the champion Milwaukee Bucks. One year removed from that, last year, they said sayonara. Not enough. One year removed from the title, they bring in, they think, a young guy who will really be able to relate to the players. His name is Adrian Griffin. So what does Adrian Griffin do? Adrian Griffin apparently doesn't get the confidence of the players. Even though under his guidance and the new acquisition of Damian Lillard, they go 30 and 13. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a little tick under 70%. He had the second best record tied for the second best record in the NBA. Now, granted, they went from the fourth best efficiency on defense to 22, 30 teams in the league. They're 30 and 13. I don't care. They're 30 and 13. The GM, when he fires the guy, says, oh, we think he's going to be a great coach, but he's too young. What? Why didn't you consider that in the very beginning? So this has to be the players who um, there, there was a quote, I think it was just a game or two ago, the, uh, the Bucks were questioning the defensive scheme, or Giannis was in his quote. I think the quote was, we have to have a plan on defense. So it's clear, in my mind, Giannis goes to management and, you know, they want to keep Giannis happy as long as they can. And he goes, basically, and I'm, 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 I'm guessing, although Giannis has claimed that he had nothing to do with the removal of Mike Budenholzer, if he wanted Budenholzer to stay and he was up for free agency in that time period, don't you think Budenholzer would have stayed? Yes. 
because they weren't going to cross their star player. Their star player, who's going to be their star player for the next 10 years, if he stays happy. And here you go, 30 and 13, and you fire the guy? And now you're talking about Doc Rivers. And I heard Shaq on a panel last night. And I, you know, I, I, I think Shaq was, was kind of saying he gets it. And this was what he gets. He was saying, we had a coach, and he was okay, but n- nobody really listened to him. But when Pat Riley came in and spoke, everybody listened to Pat Riley because Pat Riley had cred. Well, Doc Rivers probably has cred. He did win a championship. You know how many years ago that championship was, Zach Boyd? Boston was Celtics. Doc Rivers. Uh, that was 07. 08. Oh, wait, okay. 16, I was, I was 16 years ago. He's 62 years old. Look up how old Mike Budenholzer is, if you will. 62 years old. He's got cred because he's, he's been a good coach. He's got plenty of visibility because he was this year the number one ESPN analyst. So there is a respect level because people see him all the time and listen to what he has to say, and obviously it makes sense. And I'm not saying Doc Rivers is not a good coach. He's won an NBA title, and he's been a coach for 30 years. How old is Budenholzer? 54. So he's even younger, 62 years old. I'm not saying that's old at all. I'm, I'm not. And I'm not saying you could be 70 or 72 like Pop and still be a good coach because I think if you've got the energy, you can. But it's clear to me. This was Giannis and maybe Dame, I don't know, but certainly players with clout going to management and saying, we don't like this guy, we can't win with him, even though we're 30 and 13. Wow. What a raw deal for Adrian Griffin. Now, financially, I don't know. It might end up being really good for him. He may get paid for the next couple of years on top of Milwaukee having to pay another coach. Doc Rivers. Or it could be that next year some team will go, look, he was 30 and 13. Let's give him another chance. He's going to get another chance. The GM who fired him even said one day he's going to be a great coach in this league. I mean, it's the silliest stuff ever. 30 and 13. Explain that to me, Zach Boyd. I I have no words, man. I really don't. It's It's already hard enough for, you know, it's already hard enough for a first-year head coach, let alone an African-American head coach, to get to be in charge of men, and he doesn't get the time to make the adjustment, fix it. Because he, he, what, he's been on the job for what, what, 30, six months? He's been on the, in the, uh, on the job for 43 games. Yeah, like <laughs> 30 six and months plus a, plus a training s- camp and a, and, and right. a mini offseason. Right, and you win 70% of your time. Yeah, now, I just now I I'm going to tell you I right now. I challenge Doc Rivers to beat seventy percent win win total. Like I, like I get it. I understand. Like, like the Bucks are in championship mode because you traded for Dame, but I don't understand this. The notion of well, let's fire the head coach because the defense is not good. Last time I checked, because when they traded away Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, who are both really good defenders. I guess team defenders. Jay Crowder's been out. Other than other than Brooke Lopez, and I and I would throw well, don't in forget, Bobby Portis. Drew Holiday, by the way, was was uh, no longer with the team, right? 
Yeah. And he was one of the better defenders. He was one. He was so that, best that, defender. So that's the reason why you go partially. I shouldn't say the whole reason, but that's part of the reason why you go from number four to twenty-two. Yeah. In defensive efficiency, you lost your best defensive player. So, like Giannis is a good defender. Middleton's a good defender, but he's been missing the entire season. So outside of those four core little core four players on the defensive side, Malik Beasley is a traffic cone. Marjan Beauchamp is a traffic cone. <laughs> like they're like you got guys that are not good defenders on the perimeter, but yet you expect the coach to figure out a scheme to to be a good defensive team. The, the, this this to me is clearly when you go, we don't have a plan. This this is basically a, a, a player saying we don't have confidence in this coach. That's what they're saying for whatever reason it might be, and we'll never really know what that reason may be. Um, but. If you're a star, look, say what you want to. Michael Jordan got rid of Doug Collins, and that's how Phil Jackson got the gig. Players for years have gotten rid of coaches. Same thing happened in L.A. with Magic Johnson. We saw the whole Showtime thing. You know what happened there. It happens all the time. It's a player's league. People do not come to see Popovich coach. They come to see his players play. People are not coming to FedEx Forum to see Taylor Jenkins coach. They are coming to see John Morant and Bain next year, which is going to get me to the next thing I want to talk about with the, with the uh, trade deadline looming. It's February the 8th, so we're a couple of weeks away, right? I just put a little pen to paper and started to think about next year because I, I just well, I don't know that the Grizzlies make a move there are a couple of guys out there that are big men Atlanta's Clint Capella is out there he's expensive um, Nick Richards uh, from Charlotte the big man he is available he could be moved and they're tra- they're making trades they're trying to change their their roster up Um but does it move you along far enough, especially since you're not going to get smart um, or, or you know, maybe Brandon Clark at some point? Uh, you're not going to get Bain until well after the All-Star break, right? Is it really – can you really get into a play-in position? Highly doubtful. And if you did, do you get out of the play-in into the playoff? Highly doubtful without – because you know you're not getting job back the whole year. So, as you look at this, and the Grizz play at Miami tonight, they're nine and a half point underdogs. Here's what I think next year's the starting lineup is. So you really got to start thinking about what you can do. You don't have that much flexibility. On your 15-man roster, 14 are already committed for next year. Okay? The only guy that really is a free agent is Tillman. And Tillman probably ought to go because he can get money somewhere. And I don't know where he's going to fit in. So here's where I got the starting lineup for next year. Adams, Triple J, Ja, Bain, Smart. You going to argue that at all? No. Okay. That's the way it should be. The reserves, Brandon Clark, Luke Kennard, Vince Williams, Derek Rose, um... G.G. Jackson seems to have this incredible upside that everybody's in love with at the moment. Let's let it play out. 
He would probably be in there. Santi Aldama could be in there. There is 12 guys. That's a 12-man rotation right yeah. there. Now, what, what does that mean for David Roddy? Because he could be a rotational player. Jake LaRavia, who is actually a higher pick than Roddy. Zaire Williams, Conchar, and Tillman. Those guys have no future here, do they? Well, one is going to stand out over the other. Who's that? I said, I said one has to stand out in front of the other. And right now, they all kind of just mixed together at the moment. Um, well, I know, say those first 12 that I read, I, I, I think they'll be back. I mean, unless you could get – who could you really get anything for? Somebody might – Give you something for Santi Aldama. True? False? It's possible. Okay. I, I've, 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 I'm not saying that, that they're going to do it, but I've mentally, I kind of was just thinking it to myself. Well, you can't get really anything for Tillman unless you get rid of him right now. But he is a good reserve, though. He's and a good reserve. He, he's he, a good and, reserve. And, and he's the best thing you got inside at the moment, other than Triple J. Right. Okay? So, I mean, you can keep him for this year, but if you're giving up on this year, does it really matter? Um, and he's the only guy not on contract for next year. So you got to figure out what you're going to do with Roddy, with even with Sant, uh, uh, with Santi, with Roddy, with Laravia, with Zaire Williams, who I think was the highest of all those draft choices. Then you've got Conchar. What are you going to do with those guys? And honestly, I think Luke Kennard only has one year left. So does Rose. Right? Rose's was a two-year deal. Rose isn't going to go in here because they're going to they're they're going to hope he's healthy for a year and be a really good clubhouse guy. Yeah, and I think they and the front office is very high on Rose as well. So yeah, well, if he 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 would be terrific if he could play. He's just injured all the time. Yeah, you know it's I it's it's going to be interesting to see what what the offers are out there because you know we I mean we the the two names that that's been thrown out there have been. For the most part, it's been LaRavia, it's been Conchar, and then Tillman's name's been, I think, starting to float out there as well, along with Luke, if if they decided to say, oh, well, since Luke is on expiring, we can just, you know, part ways with him to get some more draft capital back or get, you know, an, another good rotation player back. You know, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see what what they can do with the back end. Uh, well, and don't, and don't forget, you got draft choices coming up too that you got to have room for. Yeah. So. Well, that's if that that's that's if they decided to have. Uh, well, I mean, they they're keeping that first, but that's if you know that's if they decided to have like two or three rookies on the team again. Well, I just went through that list. I don't see them parting. I get I, maybe Kennard. I don't. I, I, is it in their best interest to get rid of Brandon Clark? I don't think you'd get anything for him at this moment. Certainly, you're not getting rid of Stephen Adams. He's so perfect for what you want to do with Ja, and you've got to believe he's going to come back. He's not that old. He's going to come back, and frankly, his position isn't all about quickness. It's more about strength and smarts. Yeah. Um, but but if you can re- find a replacement for Stephen Adams. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded either. Well, if I, you could find it, I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm not just quickly I, I, I'm, just saying. I'm, just I'm not sure you're going to find that on a guy who's who's coming back from what he's coming back from, a uh, knee injury that nobody really knows much about. Right. I. I don't so know. it's. I don't know. It's 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 slim pickings because the because 
what the Grizzlies need, a lot of teams need. And the question is, are you going to spend a lot of draft capital just to fill that need for the rest of this season into next season? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I read you that starting lineup and those coming off the bench. Is that enough to really contend? That that's the other question. Do you have to make some moves? You, you Vince Williams isn't going anywhere. You got him for the heck for for a steal of of, of a deal. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what you can get for Gigi Jackson. You might actually get something. He's uh, unproven, but he looks like he could be pretty good. You know, you look at his numbers in the G League from three point range. It's not very good, and it's better. It's been better in the NBA. I mean, do you give up on Zaire Williams? I think, right I, th- I, think I would give up on Zaire Williams. Maybe you get something for him. I don't know. Uh, certainly you're not getting anything for LaRavia or Roddy, I don't think. You right might get something around. for Roddy. Who knows? But you're not getting <laughs> anything for LaRavia, I can tell you that. I don't know what you get for John Conchar. A lot of, lot of ifs, um, but that that's the way it looks. And you're going to have to cut some guys. There's just no way around it because you're going to get numbers and – if you want to upgrade, this is not a championship group. I don't think that five starting five looks pretty good. I'll give you that. Um, Hall of Fame, Adrian Beltre, first year in, big time, like ninety five percent, terrific third baseman, catcher Joe Mauer gets in. I heard um, the odd couple on the show last night, uh, Parker, who is. So I I love that show. I think those two guys are great. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was so upset that they let Maurer and Helton in. He goes outside of Coors Field. Helton is a very average player, and he Ooh, those are fighting words. And 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 yeah, because people around here know he's from the University of Tennessee. Uh, you know, my, my my thing is it it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Good, and that's the point they were trying to make. Last night, hard to keep Joe Maurer out. He's a catcher. He won the batting title, and and they were they were poo pooing him. But he won three batting titles. Yeah, I, I I don't see how he's not in. He was a first ballot guy too. The Todd Helton thing, they make a good argument. If you look at his numbers outside of Coors Field, they're very very pedestrian. If he had not spent his entire career pretty much in Colorado, I don't know that he'd be a Hall of Famer. I think they have a legit argument on him, not mm-hmm. the other two. We'll find out what Brett Norsworthy thinks about all of that, who loves baseball more than any of the other sports, I think. Uh, and we'll check in with him on that, as we always do on Wednesdays, in just a minute. I'm sitting in the Family Leisure Studios, and a reminder, the floor model sale, hot and heavy with all the floor model patio sets, price to move, the closeout wicker sofa sets under two grand, pool tables under $1,500. That's the steal right there. Theater seating under two grand, the four-person hot tubs under $5,000. And now you get 25% off on the traditional steam sauna or the new technology infrared. Those are pretty cool too. Just get to I-40 and Wooden Road. See our friends at Family Leisure. And you know our title sponsor? It has been for years. Genesis of Olive Branch. So proud to have that association with Chris True and all the gang. And the guy that is over the Genesis luxury cars is the crazy Canadian named Vinny. Vinny Gerard is his name. Go talk hockey. Go talk Genesis SUVs. Because right now, the G70, the G80, those two cars, they have a special incentive financing 
on those two SUVs. One's the smaller one, the 70. The 80's a little larger. They both have all the new technology, all the bells and whistles, and they have the luxury ride even in an SUV. Just get on Lamar. That's Highway 78, first exit in Mississippi's Craft Road. Turn left and go see the guys that you'll love doing business with, and you'll be doing it forever with Genesis of Olive Branch. We pause for a second, and then we speak to our friend from the afternoons, you know, on Sports Time from 3 to 6, Brett Norsworthy is right around the corner. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wallow and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Ah, yeah. Working our way through the week on this Wednesday. Always love. He's actually, for me, the middle part of the week. I know I'm halfway through when I get to talk to my friend Brett Norsworthy, who joins us now. So, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Chris Broussard, and Rob Parker were up in arms. Helton for sure. They weren't sure about Maurer. They didn't think Helton belonged in. What do you think of this class? Jim Leland, by the way, got in with a committee. And I think Jim Leland deserved it. I think he's a terrific manager, 22 years in the bigs. Um what do you think about the three that got in? I don't think Beltre is an argument at all. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. No argument at all for me for any of the three. In fact, I think it should have been more. I think it should have been Billy Wagner. I don't know why they're going to make him wait till next year yeah. when he actually got a couple of guys that voted for him last year that didn't this year. Did he have a bad year last year? And I missed <laughs> it. I, 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 I don't know why he was excluded. And I wish we had a little more appreciation for defense in the Hall of Fame and bring in a guy like Omar Vizquel or Chase Utley. Uh, yeah, and, and the guys that were the PED guys, they keep going further and further away. I, I, I don't know if they're ever going to get in um, unless it's posthumously or something of that nature um, from a committee down the road. but um, I, I agree, Dave. You, you know, we, we almost have to see something like this happen. Maybe if we had any kind of leadership from the commissioner's office, him get with the powers that be, with the, the voters that think they're voting for a slot in heaven, those yeah. baseball Hall of Fame voters, get with them, try you know, the Paris peace talks with them, and try to you know, walk them back a little bit, try to get the PED players that were involved to be a little more conciliatory, and maybe do this. Okay, we're going to put you all in at once, it's just not going to be at the ceremony in August. You're going to go in, but it's going to be ceremoniously. Unceremoniously. Huh. You and I were pretty much on the same page when all this stuff was going going down. When you you had Bobby Barry Bonds, um, you had all, all those... Clemens. Roger Clemens, thank you, because I was trying to think of the picture. And I, I, my, my brain wasn't working, but Clemens was the guy I was thinking of. Uh, Rafael Palmero. Yeah, we we were well. Read my lips, right? Um, yeah, we we were pretty well on the same page. We didn't think they deserved to be in at that time. My question for you is: What are we? 15, 20 years past that now? Have you softened? Uh, 
I, I completely have because the, the sport beg for it. We we now know ev- everybody was giving giving it as good as they were getting it, and heck, everybody but the bullpen catcher w- w- was was doing it. So I think we should soften. And and, and Dave, you'll remember. And, and look, I I, I, th- I think we both were probably a little rash out of the book juice uh, by Jose Canseco. We all wrote him off as, as a nut. He wasn't. No. He was a truth teller. He was in a just in a very unvarnished way. I, I would say I have really softened on that, and I, I love the way you just said that. I hadn't thought of that. I'd, I'd let him in all at once, and I would do it. Not cere- You're not invited to the ceremony, but you're in. That's the price that you pay for for doing it, but everybody was doing it. So, you know, Barry Bonds was just doing it to get equal with Roger Clemens, who was doing it when they were, you know, going to face each other. So, I, I I think that that in that era, that is a very fair way to do it. I would not change the stance that I have always had on Pete Rose. I think Pete Rose was worthy. Obviously, of getting in as a player, he was incredible. He put the game's credibility at risk. I would vote him in a second once he dies. I've said this before, but I would not let him in until that occurs. He should not reap any benefit because he put the game's credibility in peril. And not only that, went on that 10, 12, 14-year-old push against the powers that be saying everybody was lying but me. And then the, in the end, the only one that was lying was him. But I've even softened on Pete Rose, Dave, uh, 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 certainly posthumously. No, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah, then. yeah. I've always but, said that. But, his his, his um, grievances against baseball came as a manager, not as a player. He, was, he, to this day, played the game the right way every single game that I have ever watched him play. He was he was called Petey Hustle because that's what he did. Hustled every game, played it the right way, uh, gave everything he had. He, he was. He, 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 he was Charlie Hustle. He was the leader of the Big Red Machine. Uh, no, no doubt about it. It was his team. It wasn't Johnny Bench's team. Bench was big. Yeah. It wasn't Joe Morgan's team. It was Pete Rose's team. And he was a great player. But, and, and I've almost softened on that and might put him in when I do the kind of the blackball club, the, the unceremonious club. He might go in that day as well. Not for me. I, I, I'm going to stay adamant on that because what he did afterwards was just so wrong, it's hard to get past for me. Anyway. I, I agree. I, I, I do not let him have the ceremony and strut around like he's a member of the club after what he did to Bart Giamatti, after what he did to Faye Vincent, after what he did to John Dowd, what he did to the FBI handwriting expert, the FBI voice recording expert, every expert right. out there said, Pete, we got you. And he said, oh, no, y'all were all lying, when in fact he was the only one lying. Well, and a lot of people think, uh, which you know, maybe a little far-fetched, but that, that led to the very early demise of Bart Giamatti, the, the commissioner of baseball, that, it, that the stress that – that, that Rose was causing him with the, the infighting that was going on within the different factions caused him to, to go out early. Did you know that the actor is his son? I, I don't know if that an actor. I'm sorry. Uh, wait, wait. You, you know, you know, I don't know. Hollywood. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, this is a famous actor who's in, he's been in many things. Um, what is this? I can't remember his first name. It's Giamatti, though. I, Paul Giam is. It's. I, I had no clue. Now, now one thing, I, I mean, and you have too. I will defend Bart Giamatti and Faye Vincent to my last breath that they loved baseball. This guy now, 
I, I think he hates baseball, much less loves it. It's uh, I don't know what he's doing. All right, let me switch topics on you here. We're going to get to the SEC, but you were so excited on Sunday. Nick Dunlop, the first guy since Phil in 91 that was an amateur that won a PGA Tour event. He's withdrawn from Torrey Pines. Do you know, is he going pro? I mean, I would go pro if I were him. He's already won the junior U.S. amateur, the U.S. amateur. I know he's a sophomore at Alabama, but by winning this, he gets two years of eligibility on the PGA Tour if he turns pro now. Otherwise, if he goes back, he's he's got to earn that card. That could be through the minor tours. Uh, 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 I don't even know if they do Q school anymore. I think they do one little round of it. Um, it's a really hard road. I think if I were him, I'd go pro. What do you? What would you do? I, no, he's not going pro until the Monday after after the Masters because he won't play. He, he can play US anyway. Amateur. He can, he can play in Augusta because he won this last event. He's already eligible. Either yeah. way, he's but, eligible. But I think but I think he wants to play as the U.S. Amateur and play those first two days with John Rom, huh. the defending champ. He he would lose that. You know, I don't know if that's worth it or not. But he's turning pro after that, just like Sam Bennett from Texas A&M did last year. So let, let me ask you this, because I, I don't know the rule. He can He's already won this event, so if he doesn't go pro right away, he can declare going pro using this to gain his eligibility. If he does it after Augusta, it still holds up? I, I don't know that. Okay. Because if if that were the stipulation, it would make no sense not to go pro now because it's so yeah. hard to get PGA Tour eligibility. That status is – there's only 125 of them, buddy. But tournaments are going to want him very similarly to how tournaments wanted Scott Verplank back in the day when he wanted Butler National in the Western Open. Yeah, but you only get seven of those sponsors' exemptions now. That's all you can get. you got to make them count. Yeah, well, you'd have to win or finish – Top five, I think, to get more eligibility. It, it really, Dave, it really is. The, the PGA Tour, and I, it's one of the many reasons I love it. It is the ultimate meritocracy. You win or you go home. Yeah. And and you can't rely on uh, a partner, you know, <laughs> unless you're no. playing that teams thing. No, this is all about you. And your ability under pressure to perform. Um, and it, it, it's the first tenet of sports that I love is the competition. Second is the emotion. And the, and I, I think sports is our last meritocracy on earth. I mean, the best survive, the best win, the best play. Yep. Uh, all right, let's get to some SEC. We're going to talk football first, though. Blake Topmeyer, John Adams wrote a nice piece uh, in the Gannett Papers, pertaining to now with Nick gone, who are the top threats to Kirby Smart and Georgia for SEC supremacy? And the top three did not include Alabama. The top three did not include LSU. The top three were, and I want to know if you agree, Texas, then the Portal King with the NIL, and he's done a great job with that collective, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, and then third was Josh Heupel and Tennessee. Do you believe that that order is the correct order? Would you put Alabama or LSU in that mix in the top three as the threat to Georgia? 
I definitely have Texas in there, and I would definitely have Ole Miss in there. The debate is for the third. I wouldn't discount Alabama. Be really careful with that. And I'm sure both John Adams knows better because he's been around a long time and very close to Ron Higgins. But Blake Topmeyer probably thinks there was no Alabama football between Paul Bryant and Nick Saban, and that's just wholly inaccurate. And I've seen that out there over these last two weeks of so many people that think TikTok matters doesn't think Alabama had football between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. They won a national championship. Yeah. Steve Stallings won 70 games in seven years. Mike Shula played as quarterback on a 10-win team. He coached a 10-win team. Mike Dubose won a SEC championship. In fact, Mike Dubose has won an SEC championship more recently than Tennessee has. And Gene Stallings was, I thought, a great coach. Great coach. Uh, uh, Gene Stallings was a great coach, and, and, and that, that has been disturbing to see the history writers, the chroniclers of the sport, uh, write and say that over these last two weeks. Now, was it as elite as Coach Bryant and Coach Saban had no. it? Well, no. That's, that's what separates them as the two greatest ever. Right. But, but, but Stallings is right up there after that as, as great – as, as a great coach, I would even have I would even have Missouri with Eli Drinkwitz over Tennessee right now. Really? Huh? Yeah. I know they. I saw Luther Bradley's coming back, or, or Luther Burden, excuse me. Luther Burden. Yeah, he's coming yeah. back. So and, and he's coming back. But next, uh, spring twenty twenty five, he'll be one of the first four names called. All right, college basketball is crazy. Explain to me what you know. Kentucky can be so good some nights. Maybe it's all the young players. But how do they lose that badly to South Carolina last night? That's crazy. Well, South Carolina was at home, and that was yep. big. And South Carolina, they are hungrier. They're not as talented as as Kentucky, and and that coach is is not hadn't won as much as John Calipari. But that's the thing that has gotten John Calipari. I think over these last few years, I don't know that he's as hungry. And when I see teams that can win it all from the SEC or at least go to the Final Four. I would have Bruce Pearl there because we know he's just as good a game-day coach as Cal. He's just as good as a recruiter. Right now, playing at Auburn is as tough as playing at Rupp, and Bruce Pearl is hungrier than Calipari. Well, and Auburn's the only undefeated team in the league at this point at 5-0. and um, Yeah, they're, 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 and they play at Alabama tonight. That's going to be they, they, a f- hell of a game. They do, but what, what a coaching mismatch. Alabama may beat them playing, playing at, at Coleman yeah. and that crowd and, and what that rivalry ensues, but, but there, there's no comparison between Nate Oates and, and Bruce Pearl as a coach. And, I, I, and we, we got our double or nothing bet. Kentucky's not going to the Final Four this year. That was our double or nothing bet in the preseason. Uh, they're not going to the Final Four this year. In fact, I think only Auburn and Tennessee can go that far, but I got to see Barnes do it. And then I think a surprise team will make a run, maybe to an Elite Eight. Somebody like Mississippi State could be that team. Uh, Mississippi State already with three losses, just like Ole Miss. Looks like um, ju- just the, the, the wear and tear and the, and the numbers and the amount of really hard games is catching up with Chris Beard a little bit. Yeah, tonight at home in Oxford against Arkansas. I'm going to the game. First time I've seen Ole Miss play in person under Chris Beard. Really looking forward to tonight. It's kind of the first game all year of, you know, not must win at all in a first year, but 
you're really going to need to win this one at home against a 10-8 and eight Arkansas team that may be college basketball's biggest disappointment. Wow. Well, you know what? Um, Missouri is right up there with being busts. I, I'm not saying that uh, Missouri was as highly touted. I forget what they were in the preseason picks for the SEC. But I really thought this Arkansas team was going to be special. And I I don't know where they've gone wrong. They, they are very mediocre. And, uh, they, they, they are, and that was after going to the Sweet 16 last year and to two Elite Eights the two years prior to that. Everybody thought, you know, Musselman really had it going Nolan style, and this is a big step back for him. But I think the first big mistake he made was in, in, in roster creation, roster management. It is a cry for help when you go out and you get Chandler Lawson to play on your team because he gives you nothing. He gave nothing at Oregon. He gave nothing at Memphis. Yeah, I find that interesting. If you're counting on on that kid to to put you over the edge, uh, it's 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 not going to be a great year. But he's 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 got that one. Brazil is a great player, I think. I mean, talent wise, uh, I, I'm you know he was being utilized more early. Uh, they they've got some other pieces, you know. Although I I was never crazy about Davenport, but Mark's a good player. Uh, yeah, heck, he won the game against A&M for them. Um, there are some pieces, but it's a little Debo bit... Davis. Pardon? Yeah, Debo Davis has almost had the year in basketball that K.J. Jefferson had in football where familiarity is almost bred contempt with the Razorback fans. But imagine this on Eric Musselman's recruiting board. Uh, who turned them down before he had to offer Chandler Lawson? And then who was plan B behind Chandler Lawson if they don't get him. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, Maybe he saw a piece there that he thought could fit his grand plan. I really don't know. But there's no question that's the, the, the gamble with the portal. Is that you are you are dealing with guys who have been pretty solid players? Forget Lawson for a minute. You're dealing with guys who have been pretty solid players on their team in whatever role it was, and now you're asking them to be a different piece, and it's a hard adjustment. I think the U of M, U of M is going through that right now to a certain extent. I agree, Dave. They are going through that, and it may be at point guard with Javon Quinterly, who had big shoes to fill. Almost impossible yep. to be that one year wonder. That Kendrick was he hadn't he had, he really hadn't done it, and almost some of these guys. When you talk to the other the other team that, that covered them, other media members that covered them, when they were glad he left, you know you got a problem. And a lot of Alabama media thought that about Quinterly, and we know Memphis media thought it about Chandler Lawson. You well, have him. Yeah. Uh, well, the 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 thing about Quinterly to me, you know, you heard what Oates had to say as coach. Uh, which I thought was a cheap shot at the kid, but maybe there was some insight there. And I hope, because I think he's got the capability of overcoming that and coming out and playing hard and smart every time on both ends. I've seen him do it in certain games, but he doesn't do it in every game, and that was the complaint Oates had about him um, or earlier in the year when he when he when he stated that when we were all getting media days and things of that nature. Brett, be safe, drive carefully. Hope you're spending the night in Oxford. It's a late game, right? Doesn't tip till eight. Eight o'clock, seven thirty pregame right here, and I am staying the night. Thank you, Dave. Good. All right. Say hello to everybody for me. Be careful. You got it. That's Brett Norsworthy.
And we visit with him every Wednesday. He's brought to you by Matt Eflin, the Eflin Insurance Team. Love talking about these guys because Matt, he's a guy that really cares. He cares about your family because he gets to know you. You know the old Rune Arledge thing up close and personal? You get to know somebody, you care about them, and you really want to take care of them. And that's exactly what Matt Eflin does with his collaborative approach to insurance. He gets to know you. He gets to know your family, what's important, what your budget is, and then he protects you, your house, your car, and your your future with life insurance. He really does. Same thing with small to mid-sized businesses. That's his commercial insurance specialty. He gets to know your product, your employees, what you're all about, forecast you down a little bit, what's your budget, and then he finds the right commercial insurance for your business. I promise. Call 386-GUR. That's 901-386-4777. He's got Gurr in there because he's a big Tiger supporter. That's the Eflin Insurance Team. Get protected the collaborative way. Back in a minute to Baton Rouge, we go more SEC with our friend, that would be Ron Higgins, and he's right around the corner. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Head to Baton Rouge, our SEC historian, Ron Higgins, standing by. Um, Speaking of standing, I hear it's going to be standing room only. We'll get into some of the men's games here that are being played tonight. But tomorrow night, number one, South Carolina, and number nine, LSU. That was supposed to be the championship game uh, a year ago for the women. They are playing in Baton Rouge tomorrow night. Game day from ESPN is going to be there. What's the price of a ticket because I hear it's a sellout. Yeah, I mean, you can, on a secondary market, you can probably get a nice seat in the upper deck for like $500. 500 <laughs> And on the, on the lower level, it's like 800 to over 1000 Oh, my gosh. We have gotten that far in the women's game where we're on a secondary market, and you could, for a good seat, could cost you up to $1,000 for one single college basketball game. That. Yeah, I mean,. Well, yeah, that that tells you the star power of somebody like Kim Mulkey, um, and 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 the brand now that South Carolina has become under their tutelage of their great coach. Yeah, I mean these are the, the, the you know the last two defending national champions, LSU last year, South Carolina the year before. Uh, two two you know dynamic personalities for head coaches, uh, just great players on each team, but personalities and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the women's game has really blown up, uh, really ever since the LSU Iowa championship game last year, and it's gotten this bigger and bigger. And this is a uh, a huge matchup. Uh, uh, LSU is really up against it. I mean, South Carolina is really the LSU is good, but South Carolina is exceptional. Uh, uh, they they have a deeper bench in LSU. Uh, LSU has a great starting five, but. It's going to be a great, really great atmosphere. Really, me screaming uh, as hyped as any uh, sporting event as they've had on, on this campus in any sport. So it'll be it'll be great. It, it, it's amazing. I'm not sure there's a bigger name in college basketball right now, seriously, than Caitlin Clark. 
Because the, yeah. the star from Iowa, she is going to become, somewhere in the uh, middle of February here, the greatest scorer in the history of women's college basketball. Um, and, and, and she's just a great story. She could actually come back for another year and make millions. Yeah. And uh, that's the whole – she's got to stop what she didn't want to do. But, you know, I mean, uh, you know, she, she may make millions of endorsements on, on the pro level too. She, she'll make much more endorsements than she will like making actual money in playing pro basketball because you just don't get paid uh, close to what the men make. Uh, because, I mean, honestly, it's, I mean, it's not as popular as the men's game on the pro level. But right. she's uh, – she's, she's – something else to watch i mean she's got unlimited range she's got steph curry range uh feisty competitor uh got a little swag about her uh, uh just doesn't you know hits impossible shots in tough situations and so yeah i mean and uh so again yeah i mean she's she's the biggest thing in college basketball men and, men and women i think she I mean, is really i really do i, I think at this moment she truly is. Of course, we'll see what happens as March comes and all the stars then come to the top and they get a lot more uh, airtime. But but we will see. There's a big game tonight in the SEC. Um, the only undefeated Auburn has to go in-state, travel to Tuscaloosa, and take on Alabama. How do you see that one turning up? Uh I know they're playing Tuscaloosa, but I kind of like Auburn in this. I mean, uh, Alabama's been kind of – they haven't been Alabama. They've been really uneven. Uh, and, I, I mean, they just hadn't played as well as they have the past, really, couple of years. Uh, it, just, it just hasn't been there. I don't think the, 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 the talent's dropped off this year to Alabama some. Uh, obviously, one of their best guards is playing for Memphis. <laughs> right. That didn't help. Uh, uh, well, the, and their yeah. other star player is in the NBA. Yeah, and and so I, it's just they don't have, they still have the talent they had last year. And that's not to say they can, can't win tonight. Um, I'm just saying it, it's just really, really, it's just difficult right now. Auburn's got it going on pretty pretty much, uh, and, and maybe a, a little bit of a surprise. I mean, they, but you know, Bruce Pearl's always been a, a really good coach, uh, and he's always you know if he's had a remotely off year or down year by his standards, and you just come back the next year and plays pretty well. I mean, and right now, I mean they're uh, they're playing lights out. I mean, sixteen and two, five to the conference, and and look, I mean teams, anything can happen in this conference. I mean, South Carolina just pounded Kentucky last night. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, the, the, this is a Kentucky them. team that beat North Carolina on a neutral. Uh, yeah. I, I I guess that's what happens with young guys. I I don't see how you could lose that badly at. I know it was at Columbia, South Carolina, but my goodness, that was dominating I mean, by the Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean it was just it was just wasn't even close. Uh, I'm competitive. That, that was a stunner. Uh, but and, you know, I, I really probably I, I really believe in this league. Probably Tennessee's the best team. I think they've been the most consistent. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, they, they found a, a really great score. I honestly I don't pronounce his name. Yeah. Is it Nick? Connect, it being, Connect. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, they averaged 32 a game uh, last week. Uh, they found a score, uh, and uh, to complement some of their other pieces. 
So, I mean, at this point, uh, you know, Tennessee is living up to its preseason billing. Uh, maybe the only team that really is, because you look at the rest of the conference, it's very jumbled. Uh, uh, you know, the most disappointing is Arkansas. You know, just no, they're, no. they're one more. Uh, they're they, they, they go to the Tad, uh, the Tad Pad. They go to the Pavilion tonight. Game right here with the pregame starting at seven thirty. Right here on Sports Fifty Six and ninety eight five FM. Um, you know, most of these games, if Arkansas is going to turn around the season, become must win right now. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be Chris Beard in the Pavilion. Do you? I don't think so. I mean, Ole Miss needs to kind of draw a line in the sand here. I mean, they've, I mean, they all their three. I mean, they've lost you know three conference games. It's all their losses. So they, they, and they, they need to kind of, kind of show that uh, their non-conference wasn't a fluke, and they need to kind of, I guess at this point, kind of wake up and play a little bit better and kind of get it going. So this would, this would, this would help them. I mean, they really need to kind of uh, get it in gear here, and this, this would help. Uh, you know, I mean, Arkansas. Is, look, we know they're capable. They're just, uh, they just, they're, they're puzzled to watch. Uh, stuff hadn't fallen in place yet. I mean, you're five games in your conference schedule, so you should, you should be getting a little bit better. I mean, A&M's kind of recovered. Yeah, you know, they're 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 back to three and three. They're kind of digging out the hole they got got in. Uh, you know, I I think probably one of the I guess surprising teams would be at the Georgia three and two. Mike White. Has done a really nice job. Unbelievable! Um, yeah, I, I did not see that coming. Yeah, nothing. I did. You know, Mike's a good coach. You know, he was a good coach in Florida. It's just one of the situations where, right? Uh, you know, you have to follow somebody really, really, really good, and and you you know you, you don't follow a legend like Donovan. And if you're not, I mean, you can have you can be good, but if you're not Donovan, good. Yeah. Uh, well, your guys, your guys play at uh, Athens tonight, so that'll be a, another fun game. To watch, yeah. and then tomorrow have fun with the women. I can't wait to hear about that next Thursday. Ron, as always, we appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll chat uh, next Thursday, same time, same place. All right, boy. Take care. We'll you see too. You. That is our friend, our SEC historian. That is Ron Higgins. He's brought to you by Grind City Brewing, taking care of beerness in Memphis for many years now with great products. Their fa- my favorite is the Pilsner Poppy's Pills. It's just what the doctor ordered if we're going to do a play on words. Sometimes you come across a beer so smooth and crushable, it cures what ails you. The pills, the Pilsner from Grind City. There's the pale ale, the Godhopper. There's the Amber Lager Thaddeus. If you love Blue Moon, you'll love the Belgian-style wheat ale, Belga. If you want something with a little extra kick that's unique, it's a craft malt liquor. It's called the Tiger Tail, and I I love that beer myself. All you got to do is check it out. You can go downtown or go to your favorite spirit shop. Get a taste of Memphis with Grind City Brewing, taking care of beerness in Memphis. That'll do it for us. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow morning. Johnny Radio is coming your way next. Have a great day, everyone.